audible, the most honorable, the most audible. Hold the applause, like Paul Pierce when he was fresh out the hospital, like Antoine when he shimmied after shots went through. So tell me why you mad even? Your team gon' be sad leaving after matching up with Brad Stevens. Each season, champion contenders. We drop twice a week like you trying to guard Kemba. Your team whack and your players whacker. I got the inside scoop after hanging up with Jay and Packer. Okay, we about chips here. I'm talking about this year, band of 12 plus 6 here. Carson that was top rookie, I'm seeing it now. Ain't playing around with Tatum and Hay with a brown. We off the charts, but you gotta play it market smart. Close out, cause he pulling up from Harvard Yard. Gang green, it's no other way. So tune in to the pod if you plan on staying up today. You heard? <laughs> AJ, I, I see you, man. Philadelphia. Are you serious? 76ers. Right now? Are you serious right now? What, what's going on right now? You don't know this song? You don't like this one? <laughs> Sixers. All right. Welcome to. The Boston Celtics podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I am your host, Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan, and I am pumped and jacked, peed and jade, folks, because the Celtics just absolutely destroyed the Philadelphia 76ers in game two of the first round of the Eastern Conference playoffs. I am joined, as always, by the God, the kid. I'll let him call him whatever he wants. The legend, the kid, already said that. Jay King, Celtics beat reporter for The Athletic. And just as we all predicted, the Celtics bench came in and just lifted them to a, a huge victory over the 76ers. We all said that Grant Williams would be knocking down threes and Romeo Langford would be knocking down threes and Ennis Cantor would be knocking down threes. I think that's what everybody thought would come out of game two. It's, it's just like it was uh, exactly what we predicted. I mean – it was kind of a, a shocking game, especially after the first quarter where it felt like the 76ers, I think they started 11 for 15. Joel Embiid could not miss. Um, but the Celtics pretty much from the second quarter on just absolutely dominated, broke the spirit of the 76ers. Joel Embiid looked like he thoroughly gave up towards the end of the third quarter. Uh, Sixers Twitter uh, was was silent. Um and this is just not like the normal playoffs because unlike uh, a normal situation where the 76ers could go home uh, and kind of relish in home court advantage, they basically nothing has changed. Uh, they're going to stay in the bubble. And you know what? Starting starting Tybal was didn't really work out for them. So it's unclear what... Well, it kind of uh, did. It kind of did. The 76ers <laughs> blitzed the Celtics in the first quarter. It was... Dominant. Joel Embiid was posting up, posting and toasting. He was kicking out, making nice reads out of the post. Celtics weren't really giving much, much resistance. And then everything just turned the other way. And and it was Boston's bench. It started with Boston's bench. Then Jason Tatum got hot, and pretty soon the Celtics were blowing out the 76ers. It, well, it basically, they went, uh, the Celtics, it was the back of Jason Tatum. He hit a huge three, a couple of big threes at the end of the first quarter to really cut, which was a, 
I think it was like a 14 point lead um, of the Sixers down to six. The second one was completely BS. Uh, it was a bank shot, but uh, you're going to take it. And then basically it was Tatum, Romeo Langford, Brad Wanamaker, Ennis Cantor, and Grant Williams. And they just went on like a 25 to two run. The 76ers just didn't score at the start of the second quarter. And um, just huge. It's like Romeo Langford, I don't think scored points until garbage time. Um, but they just played huge defensively. It felt like the defensive intensity uh, really went up. They guys were getting into the ball, and then, you know, like no one else on the 76ers really did anything of value on the offensive end. Um, and Joel and B just you can't he can't do everything for the Sixers at this point, um, especially when you know what he's dominating and uh, like from taking like mid-range shots and knocking them down. He was like 11 for 21, um, had 34 points this game. But Jason Tatum was 12 of 20 and 8 of 12 from three for 33 points. When your best player is shooting just as efficiently as their best player and your best player is shooting threes and their best player is shooting twos, you're going to win. And the Celtics just, it they they stomped the throat. It just There's like no will. Am I ready to clear the series over? Yes. Yes, I am. Is that going to come back to bite me? No, no, it's not. I just don't see what adjustments the Sixers are going to make that are going to result in this, like them winning four out of the next six games or four of the next five games. Jason Tatum hit three more three pointers than the entire 76ers roster. The 76ers in 2020 attempted 21 three pointers in a playoff game. It's just really tough to score a lot of points when you're doing that. One thing that stood out to me from the post-game press conferences was Kemba Walker saying that the way the 76ers <laughs> are guarding him is different for him. He hasn't seen that much space in a really long time. And that's a damning indictment. Kemba, he hasn't shot the ball well. He's made one three-pointer this entire series, but he's wide open. He's kind of just doing what he wants in the mid-range, doing what he wants behind the arc. And they're they're not guarding him much at all. Like, Joel Embiid is just laying way, 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 way back and just kind of letting Kemba do his thing. They're not. Joel Embiid came out after the game and was like, we got to be doing something different. Like, I, he basically called out Brett Brown for a bit. Like, I can't drop back in the pick and roll. I got to do something different. Even Brad Wanamaker was, like, calling for high screens, calling for Joel Embiid to be in the pick and roll and taking pull-up threes. The Celtics could get that shot anytime they wanted, and they did. Kemba Walker had his probably best game of the, I wouldn't say of the playoffs so far, because that's a two-game sample size, but he was uh, so much more effective. Um, but I thought the really important thing, and I'm not a Cantor guy, but I think Cantor coming in and being able to kind of play Joel Embiid one-on-one -on -one, uh, and just play kind of physical defense was pretty big for the Celtics because they didn't have to double. They didn't have to be in rotation. Uh, and that's why the 76ers didn't really shoot many threes. It was basically Joel Embiid, go to work, like do what you can in one-on-one -on -one and take as many mid-range jumpers as you, as you can. And like it resulted in not many points for the 76ers. In the 76ers, for the second straight game, Joel Embiid has come out and just dominated the early stages. He had three like super quick post-ups, turn and score easily over Daniel Tice right away. And you wonder if, if he's in good enough condition to do that all the time for 48 minutes. 
you wonder why he can't do that more frequently. Is it because their guards aren't good enough to give him the ball down there? Is it because he's not in good enough shape to fight for post position all the time? But Little each, of these two, each of these two games, he's come out and really dominated the first few minutes and then just kind of tailed off from there. He still had a really big game, but the the, the, the his play in the first few minutes in each game has just been so much better than it's been the rest of the game. Um, and then he just doesn't have much help. Like Al Horford is just being misused or not used at all. Um, he came off the bench. I, I really didn't notice him at all on the court in the first half, except when Jason Tatum hit a three ball in his mug, step back three ball in his mug. Horford has been a total non-factor. The Sixers like, where is their offense going to come from? And then they haven't really defended any of Boston's main guys well. Jalen Brown, they, they started Dybul instead of Al Horford, and Jalen Brown still had 20. Tatum had an easy 33, 8 for 12 from the arc. Marcus Martin, Kemba Walker shot like crap. <laughs> but the <laughs> the bench, we, we asked – it was so funny because we were talking about who's it going to be? Is it going to be Romeo Langford? Is it going to be Shemi Ojale? Is it going to be Grant Williams? It was all of them. Brad, Brad Stevens decided, you know what? We're going to play the whole bench, and we're going to use all of them, and we're going to have them play alongside Jason Tatum, and it's not going to matter that none of the other guys are usually very good because Jason Tatum and the bench has been a good thing all year long, and I, I didn't think that was like a playoff thing, but for one night at least it was. And the thing that worked about Jason Tatum in the bench is that Tatum is so good offensively that he can kind of score on his own and be kind of reliant. And But, like, all Romeo Langford had to do was come in and play solid defense, which he did uh, for that stretch there in the second quarter. Uh, I already talked about Cantor's defense. I thought Grant Williams did a very good job on defense. and uh, But they don't – like, they're not the guys who have to score. I mean, Grant Williams knocked down some open shots. Cantor did what he did in terms of offensive rebounding. But and of course, got to give it up to Philly legend and just the solid Brad Wanamaker. But um, the loss of Hayward just did not seem to factor for them tonight because their their offense did not slip at all. And I just don't know what the the 76ers adjustments would be at this point, because even if you listen to Joel Embiid, even if you pull him up um, and kind of don't have him drop, I would just imagine Kemba Walker, Jalen Brown would go blowing right by him and getting to the rim. And you saw that in kind of the second half of the game when um, the Celtics kind of were kind of attacking and beat at will. Marcus Smart drawing, uh, drawing some fouls on him. Uh, it was just a great kind of team performance by the Celtics, which uh, is surprising, especially after the first quarter and kind of the bench struggles all year. But if Jason Tatum's going to continue to elevate his game, then having extended minutes from the bench guys uh, seems less problematic than it was, you know, just 24 hours ago. Yeah, and Tatum hit – he hit some tough shots. The one in front of Maz with the step back in front of him was really tough. Um, the the one where he pulled up and Thibel was chasing him and just barely missed a block from behind. The one at the end of the first quarter literally was just a joke. He it was a broken possession. I, I think he thought it was backcourt and like wasn't going to even pick it up. And then someone told him, Jason, that, that wasn't backcourt. They tipped it. And he was like, oh, OK, cool. And hit a shot, which probably he got fouled on to to end the first quarter. 
from like 35 feet Dame Lillard range. It was he doesn't get Dame credit for banking a shot in. A, a I, I said Dame there. Lillard range. I did That's, not say it was a Dame Lillard shot. That is fair. That is fair. Um, but then like the, the Sixers just did some weird stuff too. They went to a zone and Raul Neto was guarding Tatum in the zone and the Celtics just set a screen and he just was wide open with Raul Neto. Like nobody else even tried to guard the pick and roll. It was, it was weird. It was weird. The, the Sixers just weren't good. And I thought once the Celtics went on a run, the Sixers just decided screw it. And I don't know if it'll be like that for the rest of the series, but they absolutely – I, I thought that they, they quit in this game and just decided we're done. It kind of reminded me of game three of the Celtics-Bucks series last year when the Celtics at that point were tied 1-1 and Giannis went out, Middleton went out, and like the Bucks bench just kicked the Celtics' ass. And it was like like, – like, Sterling Brown and and those guys were killing the Celtics. This time it was Romeo Langford and Grant Williams and, and and Jason Tatum was out there, so it wasn't it wasn't entirely like that, but it just it had a similar feel to it where like the guys who aren't supposed to kick your ass were kicking your ass. Yeah, and it feels like the 76ers and that's why I can be so jubilant and such an asshole and so confident because it feels like the 76ers quit and it like there's a lot of rumblings around the league about uh brett brown being fired uh if they sell the if they lose to the celtics i think brett brown would be fired even if the sixers came out of the series um it's just like not a good like this 76ers once ben simmons went out they pretty much know that they're not going to have a chance to win the championship maybe they're just like wanting to get the hell out of orlando but it definitely has a similar feeling to the Celtics of last year where they came in with lots of expectations into the season and definitely struggled all year and knew that the team didn't have it. And they got basically got gave their best effort in this first quarter. And like that simply wasn't enough, but there is definitely a lot of frustration and no fight from the 76ers. I mean, you had that picture of Joel Embiid just like screaming into his Jersey hands in his, uh, or head in his hands, he clearly is uh, incredibly frustrated because he's really the only one on the team doing anything of value. I mean, Josh Richardson made shots, six of them. Shake Milton made some shots, too. Those are the, basically the only guys who made threes. But Tobias Harris, the $33 million man, was 4 of 15, um, and they just don't have a bench at this point. And so they definitely feel, felt like the uh, they gave up. And I think it's also good on the Celtics um, – there was definitely a feeling where they could have, uh, I guess, let up or let the 76ers get back into the game, but they just kind of kept going, kept pouring on. Uh, Jason Tatum was in the game actually longer than as a fan I probably would have liked and was still knocking down step-back threes. But uh, there's just like a thorough a thorough ass-kicking from quarters second to fourth for the Celtics tonight. Yeah, you look at the plus-minus for the Celtics bench, it's outrageous. Grant Williams plus 13 Brad Wanamaker plus 28, Ennis Cantor plus 24, Romeo Lankford plus 26. And those are guys that were expected to play minimal roles, if any, in this series. So, I mean, except for Cantor. I, I figured Cantor would play against Embiid for sure. But the other guys, it's like 
could have gone either way, whether they were in the rotation playing a lot of minutes or not. Now Hayward's out. Now those guys played key roles, and and they were all really good. The Sixers, I mean, the, the Celtics bench hit eight threes. The Sixers hit five. If, if you don't make as many threes as the Celtics bench, <laughs> it's, it's probably going to be a long, long night for you. Thibault was a minus 30, by the way. Minus 30 for Thibault in his, his start. So much for that wild card play by Brett Brown. But the, the Celtics bench, they scored eight points in game one. And then to knock down eight threes uh, in game two is wild. And some of that came in garbage time, like definitely – uh, Romeo's three, um, Javante's three, like those don't matter as much, but that run in the second quarter, uh, it allowed, uh, Brad Stevens to rest guys like Kemba Walker and Jalen Brown, who each played under 30 minutes tonight. Um, Marcus Smart only had 10 points and like, they were still able to get by. Um, but really I think it all just comes back to Jason Tatum. I think if he, if he can hit eight threes in a game and consistently or like, how he's still going up, which is kind of insane. Like, especially after his run uh, after the all-star game or all, being named an all-star this year, uh, it, you don't really expect him to continue taking leaps, um, but he continues to get better. Um, and it's not just on the offensive end. I mean, the threes are the most fun and, and kind of uh, exciting part, but he continues to play great defense. And I think the Celtics just continue to play very solid team defense tonight absent of that first quarter, but they, they came together uh, and, and locked in. Yeah, I think one one stat that won't get a lot of play because it's not sexy at all, but the Celtics had six total turnovers. Tatum and Kemba Walker, their two highest usage guys, both had zero turnovers in a combined 56, 57 minutes. Mm-hmm. So when you're taking care of the ball like that, and and part of it is just that the Sixers aren't, pressuring those guys they're not having Embiid up to the ball level at all and so those guys are just kind of doing what they want to I I thought another thing that kind of will get lost in the shuffle before the bench started to pick things up the bench with Tatum I thought Jalen Brown made some plays that that really turned around the Celtics energy he had that dunk he had uh, a couple other buckets and then he got into the ball ball handler and I, watching on TV, Scal, Scal noted, he's like, that's the ball pressure the Celtics needed. Hadn't been there before that. I thought I thought Jalen, as he does a lot, just kind of woke the Celtics up. And they were – the first few minutes, they weren't, they weren't doing what they were supposed to do. Their ball pressure was suspect. Um, I remember the Embiid's first bucket. Josh Richardson was just standing on the perimeter – Against the Sixers, you really need to pressure their guards because otherwise entry passes are so much easier. And Kemba was just laying back like a, a few feet with his hands down. It was just an easy entry pass, easy bucket. The Celtics really, really picked their shit up after after like the first seven or eight minutes of that game. The second quarter, their defense was really, really good. Grant Williams, solid minutes. The whole bench, really just solid minutes. Um they played they played really really well yeah with with three minutes and like three and a half minutes left in the first quarter Celtics were down 13 points and then Jalen kind of like really ratcheted up the intensity he had a layup attacking the hoop then he had a nice backdoor cut for a dunk then he made a three 
Then you kind of got the two Tatum threes, one ridiculous one that we've mentioned, but that really kind of changed the energy. And then uh, the bench kind of going the the 360 dunk by Jalen, I really think uh, was like kind of sealed the deal there. Uh, put the Celtics up 25 with about eight minutes left in the third quarter. And I honestly think the game was kind of over then. But on that play, I think you have to give a lot of credit to Kemba Walker, who uh, got blocked uh, pretty badly by Joel Embiid, but then hustled back on defense to kind of tip the ball away from Embiid, got the steal that led to just a completely unnecessary 360 dunk. But like when you're when you're going on a run to go up 25, that's what you do. Um, And so just a fantastic, I guess, team effort by uh, everyone on the Celtics. Let's hear it, Jay. I know you got to go right, so let's let's hear what your notes you got before uh, we get into my junk. When Brad said about Embiid, <laughs> what the hell? He just gets to flop all over. Everything's a flop. I thought that was a great. I Brad, missed that. When did that great happen? Brad moment. That was uh, sometime in the first half. Brad got caught uh, on camera. At least it looked like he said that. Um, <laughs> allegedly. Allegedly he said that. Next part, wild part of Brad's press conference. He said Tatum is 6'10". <laughs> he, he referred to Jason Tatum as 6'10". He's listed as 6'8". He has definitely grown since he got into the NBA. I think he's grown like an inch. I don't think he grew two more. I think he's only 6'8". I'm calling BS on, on Brad Stevens there. But he played like he was 6'10". Tonight, that was such a bad corny line. He played like he was. (laughs) At least you caught it. I wasn't even gonna. I wasn't gonna mention it. But thank you for you know self editing. Another, I thought the Tatum quote just absolutely just injected into my veins for the growth mindset. Uh, We're not gonna play perfect, but we're gonna have perfect intentions. Um, Just completely like that's not something Jason Tatum would ever come up with it himself. That's just him echoing Brad. Uh, But I love that tonight. and then we've got Taco in the in a playoff game, which is absolutely absurd. Taco is Gino. Gino is Taco. Before the game, Brad said that he, of course, he didn't reveal who the guy active was going to be, but he said for that player to play, it had to be some very set special circumstances. And you know what? Completely blowing out the 76ers with like seven minutes to go, I would say is special circumstances. Yeah, that was, that was an ass kicking. That was a real ass kicking. All right, speaking of nonsense things, uh, before the game, Kendrick Perkins on NBC Sports Boston was talking about Brett Brown, and he said, if you put Brett Brown's brain inside a bird, that bird is going to fly backwards. That's an all-time <laughs> line. That's an all-time line. I've never heard that before. I'm just trying to imagine a bird flying backwards, but that's fantastic. Uh, a lot of talk about Jalen Brown's uh, cool-ass grandfather who's boxing. Uh, his name's Willie B. Brown. That's an automatic cool guy name. Can you imagine having the name Willie B. Brown and not being tremendously cool? No, you you have to be cool with that name. You have you have no chance. Also cool when Romeo Langford tried to dunk on Norvell Pell. It didn't work, but Romeo got ambitious in the lane. Very ambitious. Oh, he got uh, very, very ambitious and going up with a, with a sprained wrist and everything. I don't know if it was the correct hand or everything like that, but um, – Romeo did some good things tonight and played solid defense. Do you know uh, what's weird? Daniel Tice, 13 minutes only. Well, Daniel Tice was bad tonight. If there's one, like, stock down of the entire team, it was Daniel Tice. He looked scared to shoot the ball, and he just got absolutely abused by Embiid. That's why I thought it was kind of big of Cantor to come in 
uh, and give them solid minutes from the center position because I just don't think Tice was great. He had that one shot in the corner where he pump faked and then realized, oh, I need to be shooting and then shot it. Once you pump fake and do that and you're at Daniel Tice's level, you're just uh, not going to be doing things. So not the best night uh, for Danny Two Bucks. But speaking of blocks, the Marcus Smart block where he came completely from the weak side uh, – had the block and then uh, still hustled enough to get out and close out, I think, on a Shake Milton three uh, was absolutely fantastic. That's just like classic Marcus Smart. He continues to impact winning uh, despite only, what, 10 points tonight. I still think he's going to need to score more. His shooting, both him and uh, Kemba's three-point shooting, is going to need to improve uh, if the Southerns are going to move or do anything against Toronto. But um, he continues to do just cool things on a, on a game-by-game basis. Kungu was in the comments earlier. I can't see my comments now, but he he wanted to slander Tobias Harris in his contract. I, I don't know exactly what he said, but I am here for it. Tobias Harris was awful tonight. Uh, I feel like Al Horford. Oh, gets here it me. is. I'm showing the comment. Can the Sixers sue Tobias Harris for breach of contract? I'll hang up and listen. Maybe that's the thing. It was like, what do the what do the Sixers do at this point? They have though Horford, who I mean looks. They clearly are not using him correctly, but he just also doesn't look uh, like the same Horford that we uh, saw in Boston. And so they have those two guys for long contracts or big money. And I just don't know how the 76ers retool their roster at this point. But I mean, Al Horford, he he just doesn't look the same. His eyes don't pop as much. Um, It's just uh, it's kind of sad because he was. Really, really good as a Celtics player and was really key to the Celtics beating the 76ers in the playoffs two years ago. But just neither of those guys are giving the Sixers anything at this point. Yeah, I mean, we saw it in game one. It's just a tough defensive matchup for Horford when he's playing alongside Embiid. And if you're not going to play alongside Embiid, you're going to play him hardly at all. So you have to you have to play him sometimes with Embiid. The Celtics have taken some advantage of that. Uh, especially in game one before the thigh ball move. That was like their biggest lineup move. I thought like they played it early. They played it, I think because they had to, and they, they still got worked over. So they're going to, they're going to have to switch up some things. I don't think they can lay back like they have with Embiid all the way back. Like he's been, I, I just don't think they, they can get away with that. They've given up so, so many wide open three pointers and like the Celtics, they were 19 of 43. I feel like half of those were wide open, like just butt naked. You have Grant Williams knocking down a three and doing the Carmelo like three to the dome. Thing. Yeah, well, Grant well, Williams. Some of those were, some of those were just lucky. Like Grant Williams and Romeo Langford, they're not shooters. Ennis Cantor, far from a shooter. And the shot clock, Ennis Cantor, he's who you want to have the ball at the end of the shot clock. But some of those were clearly lucky. But then you still have like. I mean, Tatum was eight of twelve. Jalen Brown, I was only two of seven tonight, but he had like hit some big threes. Um, they're gonna have to change up, but like even I think we mentioned it, like oh, so Embiid steps up, then does Kemba Walker just like blow by him and get to the rim? I just I don't know what the adjustment is there uh, for the Sixers. And then the final thing is just in garbage time. I lo- I Time Lord came in. We had uh, one just beautiful moment of Time Lord and Taco playing next to each other. Uh, but then I like as soon as Time Lord came in, Marcus Smart tried to throw a lob to him. It went horribly, but I just like that Marcus hunts that uh, every single time he plays minutes with Time Lord. 
It's not sad that Al is bad now. Don't lie. It is sad. Al's that's a wonderful what, that's human what being. Josh, Josh DeGaulle said. I like that you're just at, like at, like found this tweet setting in here. I didn't know it existed, but uh, it's working. I like it a lot. That's yeah. all I got for that's all I got for junk. Other than uh, making fun of uh, the Mike Scott hive for being a thing. Remember when Sixers Twitter was really into Mike Scott for at the beginning of the year? That's fun stuff. Mike Scott hit a bunch of threes against the Celtics at some point in the regular season. Um, the only other thing I had in my notes that we didn't ah, two things I had in my notes that we didn't talk about. Tatum makes floaters now. Oh yeah, he's a float guy. He was off. His floater were just despicable for most of the season. In the bubble, I feel like he's making a lot of them. I don't have the exact stats on that, but his floaters have gone in. The other note I had: Kemba Walker, the rebound he had over him, I believe it was Horford, where he boxed him out, just gritty, gritty, gritty rebound. That's that's. That's a playoff rebound right there by Kemba He did Walker. the same thing in game one, just like jumping up and getting completely bodied by Embiid. Um, but he's he's excited to be in the playoffs. And it's uh, a funny, like uh, he in his postgame press conference gave all the credit in the world to Jason and Jalen calling them superstars. Uh, the first question to Tatum was like, what's it like to play with a veteran superstar point guard who gives you all the credit? And it was just like the most obvious Kyrie uh, subtweet. But I – it's hard not to kind of do some Kyrie slander when talking about Kemba. Even B-Rob got into it tonight, just like throwing Kyrie under the bus, uh, comparing this game, uh, the Kemba steal to Kyrie's defense against the Bucks. But it's just, it's just fun in Celtics land. I mean, it, Kemba is good and Jason Tatum is better. Uh, Jason Tatum, can, is, here's the big question. We'll end with this. Did Jason Tatum surpass Joel Embiid as a second best player in the East? I was actually texting with my brothers about this tonight, where where Tatum is in the East. I think he's number two. I I think I think it's close. Like Embiid is is a force. And I think if Embiid played with better players, it, this conversation could be different. Like he's he's had two really good games. Um but the way Tatum shoots three pointers, the way he defends and he just can do it all game because he's not in bad shape because which, <laughs> he <laughs> which is which is very important and honestly like I, i'm not saying that to be funny like being in good shape and being able to sustain your really good play is is really really important i, I think are you referencing like any sort of other player in the series when you're talking about like being in good shape and having yes, sustainable yes, performance the, the <laughs> other guy who i thought coming into the playoffs was the second best player in the, the guy East. who came Joel into the Embiid. year saying that he was going to be MVP in Depoy and then uh, said he didn't change his diet or exercise regimen at all in the offseason, that same guy? I think it's it's at least a real debate between Embiid and Tatum who's better now. Uh, and I did not anticipate that happening coming into the season this year. But but Tatum just keeps keeps rising. And he is what he was during February. I he think keeps He keeps rising to 6'10"? He's he's answered that question of was that like a small sample size fluke or was that just what he is now? That's what he is. He is going to hit ridiculous shots. Step back three pointers for him are high percentage shots. Somehow he is like that's that's one of the most unguardable shots in the league now because he's six ten, six <laughs> six ten, and with a high release. 
and it's really, really tough to even contest that shot. So Tatum, I mean, I, I don't, I don't love doing player rankings, but you just said you were texting with your brothers about it. You do love it. You just don't like doing it in public because you have to attach your name to it. No, I, I, it, it's good conversation. It, it's fodder. It is fodder. fodder. Good conversation. That's why people tune in to Anything is Potable for good conversation. Uh, so if you guys like this on the live stream or if you like this podcast. You just got please... me there, by the way, saying that saying that my my brothers and I were talking about it. So, yeah. yeah you yep. just, you, you just... got got. Middleman Jay doesn't like having strong takes. But got uh, you got got sometimes. That's what happens. You know, 76ers got got tonight. We'll see what happens uh, in game three of the series on Friday night. We'll be there after the game to break it all down. So if you like the show, please subscribe, tell a friend, uh, and do anything. And uh, just thank you for listening to this episode of Anything is Potable! Just outrageous. <laughs>